Good morning, everyone. I um, wanted to share from Exodus 20 and verse 1. It starts with, And God spoke all these words. Now, struck by how important words are throughout the Bible, in Genesis 1, God used words to create. In John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now in Exodus 20, God uses words to communicate to a created humanity what is in his heart. So one aspect of God's Word is that it is powerful, and hence he can create through them. But now we see the importance of the usage of words to relate to his people, to communicate what is important to him, what is in his heart. And in fact, I think words are probably a direct correlation to how much you want to relate to someone. We see that in friends, parents, ministers. You speak to your friends, your child, someone you are ministering to because you want to share your heart, what's important, and that gets translated into words that come out of your mouth. And when you want to love someone, relate to someone, you you will use a myriad of words to try and connect with that person. And I think the reverse is true too. To the extent that you don't use words, a person would walk away feeling like you don't want to relate to them. So I, want us to, um, so I want to ask us to examine if we speak words or is our life full of other things like simply taking care of things. Or maybe for some of us, we speak to some people, but when we're at home with our roommates, our spouse, our kids, we don't speak words and hence relationships don't get forged and deepened. Relationships stay stuck and shallow and it becomes a mere coexistence. And this verse gives us an example of God who speaks in order to communicate his heart to us so that we might have a relationship with him. Let this be an example of how to go about building a relationship. It begins with using words to communicate what's in our heart. And then in verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And before God launches into communicating the Ten Commandments, he establishes his identity. The one who is speaking to them is the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God begins with his identity so that people will see the importance of his words. And depending on who it is that's speaking, we have different levels of accepting what they say. For example, if you have a 10-year-old talking about the basics of physics, you might accept very little of what he's saying. If you have a Nobel uh, laureate in physics, you would accept what this person is saying a lot more readily. That is, if you can understand what he's saying. So God is establishing that with the Israelites, that he is the one who brought them out of Egypt, freed them from slavery. So listen to the commandments that follow. It's like he's saying, I pulled you out of the life of slavery. Now listen to me so that you don't go back there. And then, um, so the first step begins with verse 3. You shall have no gods before me. And before me means worshiping other gods in addition to the Lord. And it's not an outright rejection of the Yahweh God, but rather a a worshiping of something else in addition to God. God says the very first step of not returning to the land of slavery is exclusive devotion to Him. And then in verse 4, In those times, uh, the gods of Egypt and Canaan were associated with some aspect of creation that was worshipped through an object. This aspect of humanity is um, true even today. The gods of our generation are money, status, nice car, or home. Uh, We take something in creation and turn it into something um, with great power and worship it instead of the creator God. So God communicates. Don't bow down to another God because I am a jealous God. 
And I thought about, and then in what sense is God jealous? Um, a jealousy is um, being intolerant of unfaithfulness or rivalry. I wanted to comment on the first four commandments uh, um, right now. And those commandments relate to how we see and relate to God. And so these are the ways to honor God properly as God. Remember that there is no other relationship that we have that is like ours with God. There is nothing similar that we can liken it to. So then he has to teach us how to go about relating with him. I know that when we first started reading the Ten Commandments, the thoughts might have been around the feeling of how restrictive this is, or where is the line drawn between breaking these commands and not. And yet as the years have passed, I hope that we now see this as God's way to help us live the best life. If we just had more people committed to following these things, our world would be better, our own lives would be better. And just having that acknowledgement that without boundaries, our lives would be in such greater uh, terrible mess, I think helps us work through our own emotional resistance to God's commands to see it's the very thing we need to live a good life. Now, looking at the first two commands of no other gods and idols, uh, it's saying that there should be nothing placed ahead of God, no desires, wants, no people, possessions, or purpose that's greater than God. And I realize that it's not just major serious idols being talked about, it's anything that takes our heart away from God because it's going to be a slippery slope. One little thing easily leads to another. We can justify why it's okay in this case, or it's no big deal. And then before you know it, there's a fall. Our hearts are that fickle and easily swayed. So the person who doesn't have that kind of a healthy fear about what could be, I wonder how much that person understands how sin works. I was always reminded about these verses in light of taking sin seriously. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And also 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands to take heed lest he falls. If we go down the path of justification saying this is no big deal, that can be the first step in what becomes a fall and facing the consequences of that even after we repent. So then the best thing is to begin by taking these words to heart. Prioritize God first, each day committing to making Him first in our lives. Acknowledge our need for God. Acknowledge that we are weak and so susceptible to falling if God does not keep us on the straight and narrow. If we see our heart starting to go astray, diverting our time or energies or thoughts towards other things and yet not making time for God, then let that be a warning for us to check our hearts again and to recommit ourselves to God. Because while we may repent sometime later, later on, and it's only because of God's mercy, uh, at the same time, the consequences that we and others uh, may have to bear uh, for that sin for a long time. So I think that warning is something for us to take to heart.